This is the Wholesome Monk Podcast. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the Wholesome Monk Podcast. It's your boy, Wholesome Monk here. And today, I'm joined by my good friend, Brittany. Brittany, thank you for stopping by the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Quick disclaimer for your podcast viewers. Yes. I am obviously at home because COVID is real. Science yep. is real. And I have two dogs that fly off the handle sometimes. So if they do, I apologize in advance. We're all good. We all love dogs here. This is a dog-friendly podcast for all you people that will hammer me if I don't say that. So uh, let's get right into the subject at hand, sex toys. What got you into uh, selling that? Okay, well, first of all. Yes. So when people say sex toys, they're very often thinking like vibrators and dildos and like anal beads. And what I actually sell is high-end like BDSM and fetish stuff. Okay. So think, I'm loath to use this comparison, but think Fifty Shades of Grey. So think handcuffs and floggers and whips and paddles and stuff like that. Floggers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's mostly the best way to describe it. So what got you what got you into into that area of marketing? Because you guys sold many items in life. So what what why this particular genre? Okay, well, um so my mom actually founded the company. Okay. And so I grew up doing a lot of like back office stuff, inventory reconciliation. Uh most of our business actually again pre-COVID, came from events. I used to travel to events and conventions nationwide. And so before I was old enough to do that and had an interest, my mom was going to, she still does, Yeah. events. And so I used to like pack the car. I mean, literally like a, like a minivan with grid wall, like <laughs> bins and bins. This business used to live on my back porch. So that's yeah. how I got it is. I don't know if you have a parent who owns a small business, but you are not. free labor growing up. Yep, I can imagine. That's how it works. That's what kids are for. It's back in the farm days. Yeah, so because I was like, I remember when you when you uh, first, <laughs> I didn't know what you sold at first, and I love it. But I was like, I remember <laughs> you were like, yeah, you know, we have to support each other. You know, we have to support our businesses. You know, I got your back. And I had no idea what you sold when you when you told me this. I, I found I was laughing for like two days straight when I followed you because this is just so funny. And you're like, yeah, so you know, I'll follow your page. You just make sure you follow mine. I was like, oh yeah, cool. What, what do you sell? I was like, yeah, just, just, just I'll follow you. And then you follow mine. I was like, all right, cool. I'm thinking it's like Herbalife, you know, some, some, some quick. That'd be embarrassing. <laughs> and then, and then I get a follow from like, <laughs> I get a follow. I'm like, okay. It's like, this is like Dungeons and Dragons. I'm legit, this is like legit process. I'm like breaking it down. I think I'm like, I'm like, at the, I'm at the dinner table right now. And I'm doing this. I'm like, oh, it's like Dungeons and Dragons. This is cool. And go on the page. I was like, oh, okay. This is not Dungeons and Dragons. This is very interesting. And I was like, yo, this is, I laughed like complete straight. I, like, I showed the whole family. I was like, hey, this is great. This is like a great, like mislead. It's like a sitcom situation. Um, but what, what's so, now that you're in uh, COVID America, I like to call it, what's the process now? Like, have you still been, is it like online events or something that goes on? Like well, how to sell so a lot of events have transitioned to some sort of online something. Um, and as far as like being a vendor of an online event goes, it's fine. Obviously it does not replace the income. And of course, like you can't because half the country is unemployed, right? So I don't expect people who were in a position to shell out a lot of money before to still be in that position. That would be an unreasonable expectation on my part. In fact, most of my business, or what is what is surviving, is my online sales. Okay. Uh, that's why I care about the post office. And <laughs> yeah. USPS is keeping me afloat. They keep and then, all of us afloat. <laughs> literally. And then also I do wholesale. So I sell directly to other businesses. And so those as, okay. as some of the, especially I sell to a couple of large chains, so as they've reopened their stores nationwide, I've been supplying them, and that's really been a boon. So that's that's what very else. interesting. So like, so I'm curious as like how because I know people when it comes to like events, 
such as those where items like those are being sold, obviously people are going to the, going to those events with the idea in mind already, like, you know, into those kind of things. So it's not like you, it's not a hard, hard sell in terms of like, you know, going to like a Walmart convention. You're like, Hey, by the way, there's this on the right, you know what I'm saying? You want to, you know, so, but what's like the sales pitch? Like, how do you, I'm assuming there's other, is it like the events only your stuff or there's like other uh, vendors there too? There's always other vendors, but they're always like, lifestyle and industry events and so there's interesting in fact most of them um you can't even like walk in off the street most of them you have to register in advance they need your driver's license information in advance a lot of them the age requirement is uh 21 or 19. so when i first when i first started doing events there were a few events when i was 18 and 19 that i still just couldn't even do uh yeah right so it's, there's, there's no, I don't, there's no shock value at the vast majority. The only events that I have done where there is still like a shock value comes from dealing with, um, I used to do uh, a porn event that had four different events in different cities a year. Yeah. And so there people could walk in off the street and it was, I mean, cause like this it's porn stars. Like yeah. it's household, like, Lisa Ann, Mia Khalifa, like household porn stars are there. Gotcha. So of course, you can, you know, it's much more relaxed, much more. So, of course, there's more potential for people to be shocked, just like absolutely mm. flash odd. What is this stuff? But for the most part, there's no shock value because it's stuff that by the time you've hit a point in your uh, kink journey that you're <laughs> yeah. going to an event, I'm not going to surprise you. I mean, I like surprise you with what you like, but I'm not gonna hoard, like, you're not gonna be unprepared mentally. So, for so the- oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, so, like, um, when you, so when these people come in, and, the, like, the ones that are, like, not the ones you can, like, get off the street people, so, like, do you, I'm sure, like, do they ever, you ever get, like, stories where, like, people overshare their kinks or fetishes with you? Like, does that ever throw you off? I mean, I know you, you probably heard some wild shit, but never, like, Hey, man, I'm just here to, like, you know, sell what I got to sell. You know what I'm saying? No, no. I mean, first of all, in general, people overshare with me just in my personal life. (laughs) So I have a very high threshold for what oversharing actually constitutes. True that. Call major, shout out. Right, exactly. Exactly. I've got bartender eyes. People want to tell me their soul. It's like, yes, tell me. I want to know. Um, But as far as, yeah, people definitely overshare. They definitely... The only thing that bothers me actually about that is when people say things that are factually inaccurate, mm. especially if it's dangerous. And so I'm very, and it's very hard, right? Because I'm young, yeah. I'm female, I'm ethnic. And so very often I'm talking to like middle-aged white men who are saying things that I'm sorry, like I've been involved in my industry for over 10 years. Like I know. And it's cause you know, I'm young but I've been doing this for a lot longer than people, than it seems. I yeah. seem, because it's like, okay, well, you're 26. How long could you possibly answer? It's been a while. Yeah, it's America. People don't understand. Right. First, you got to be on that hustle. Exactly. Uh, and so that's the only thing that just, like, bothers me or, or just is, like, memorable is when people say things that are just factually inaccurate and dangerous because one of my flagship product lines actually involves electricity. And so hmm. you are doing that incorrectly and not safely you can hurt someone you can you can really it's it's a very safe product you just have to know the basics and i think there's a lot of people in my community that have never taken the time to learn the basics because they start from a place of mental infallibility true that that's that's, that's so interesting because i actually i have another question for you so in terms of like when you also when you go to these events um do you is there a lot of diversity there in terms of like the sellers or and and slash or the clientele or is it mostly just you know you see your whites here and there congregating <laughs> okay so that's definitely a regional thing because i i do events nationwide and there are some events that are very diverse in terms of attendance and there are other events not so much <laughs> And of course, that's dependent on where you are and the socioeconomic status of the ethnicities in those cities. Like, I think it's representative of who has disposable income in these areas. Here are my dogs. I <laughs> love them. 
can't imagine that I would not spend time with them. So. No, I feel you. No, but that's so interesting that, um, cause I was thinking like, you know, every industry, especially when it comes to industries in America have like diversity is always an interesting role to play. Cause you will have people who will be like, Oh, because you're black or because you're young, because you're this, they always find something to be like, nah, your credibility is shot because of like this reason. Have you ever like gotten like, like even when I'm in retail working, like whether it's like some type of retail job, I always have someone who like, because I'm black, it doesn't happen all the time for me, but like, because I'm black, they'll be like, ah, rather, and your, your information is inaccurate or I need, where's your manager? Just double check what you're saying. Like that kind of thing. Have you ever had anything like any sales where people are like, ah, you're this or that. So I can't like buy from you or try to like, just try like, you know, like you said, misinformation with that kind of stuff. You ever had those kind of issues? I've had, sorry. So two things about that. One, I definitely, I, in my perspective, I take more hits for being young, Mm. um, followed by being a woman, followed by being ethnic. I I think I, I take the most hits for being young, which the good news is of all of those issues, I will age out of being young, just have to have some patience. But I have had entire events where I was the sole representative, because most of the time I work alone. I don't play well with others. It's a personal flaw. I was on it. That'd be a lie. You? You don't play well with others? No, I do. Okay. So I do play well with others. I'm very friendly, but I, I'm very, I take my job very seriously. And so I get very like particular about things. Fair. And it turns me into a very micromanaging boss. (laughs) And then because when the boss is kid, it creates a weird dynamic between me and whoever I work with. I've, I've, it's gotten better the older I get. And also, like, I have my own rhythm because I work alone so often. So I have my own rhythm, my own routine, and I'm very bad at being accountable for other people. I feel you. And so, and that goes as far as, like, problems they have, but also as far as just remembering to, like, feed them. Because, like, I'm in charge. Tr- I'm supposed to feed you, and I, I'm not going to eat. I'm busy. So yeah. it's... But I've had entire events where I was the sole representative of my company where the company did poorly because I'm ethnic and not white, especially That's like in, in the Plains region. And I, cause I thought, you know, you can tell when it's racism. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> and I gaslit myself. I was like, no, you know, I might've come at this wrong. I might've had the wrong mix of product. Like, let's not indict a whole city, a whole community. Let's, let's chill. And I ran into another vendor that I had done that event with half a year later. And he was like, oh, I mean, cause he's a white man. He's like, you know that they didn't like you cause you were black, you were on it. And I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you for validating this. <laughs> So uh, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you do like, even for me, like when I do stand up, there's like, you know, certain places, Virginia, that like, you know, sometimes you'll be like, well, that's crazy because it's Virginia. And then, you know, you're, you're like, cause you're there. Well, for me, like, you know, I'm there to perform. So it don't matter. You know, if you're there, you're there. I'm not big enough where I'm like on the ticket. So they it's not all the yeah. time they know I'm coming, you know, yet. Not yet. Manifest exactly. that greatness, please. Exactly. Everywhere except Virginia. So I go and perform and like, you know, so, so basically it's like they're walking in, the thing's going to be like all white lineup, certain place. Virginia, by the way, Northern Virginia, great. Further you go to the Carolinas, it can get a little bit more challenging for uh, us, us folk. People forget that Virginia borders Kentucky. Yeah. Like culturally, it's Kentucky once you're out of Nova. Exactly. Also, please tell me what stand-up stars have come out of Virginia, what specials have been filmed in Virginia. No <laughs> one thinks Virginians and thinks comedy, funny laugh at a joke there's nothing i mean i love stand-up like there's no specials ever there's specials filmed out in fucking laurel maryland there's nothing Uh, yeah exactly like virginia you all got jokes you have a town called lynchburg you're the joke oh man shout out to arlington arlington has some cool spots you know what i'm saying because i do still want to perform but um (laughs) that's nova that's nova nova's Nova's somewhere else you know i'm saying the rest of y'all suspect but um (laughs) yeah it's nice to have some people validate sometimes because even though you you personally know it is you know what i'm saying but like i feel like because people have to understand about black people is that which was something we'll slide into a little later as well but like we have to be if we you know people are like oh you think everyone's racist like no because if i did 
I would wake up pissed off like every day. You know, exactly. I was saying like, you can't think that way. So you, just, you just have to wait for it to come and hit you like a exactly. truck sometimes because, you know, and then, I, so I go like, you know, you see stuff happening. You're like, okay, maybe is it my jokes are bombing? Not even bombing, but that's not the right word to say. It's like, okay, do people just have the main stare because I'm black or is it like, oh, they just like is late at night. What's going on? Cause they'll laugh. Like I, I see like this, most people will laugh. They'll heckle you. That's how I kind of get it. It's like they heckle you and say like very specific uh, terms or slurs that obviously are not polite for white people to say, and they'll say it anyway and try to throw you off your game. Then they'll blame, oh, you just weren't funny. Like when you got called nigga like five times by Uncle Dwight over there sitting there in the corner. First of all, for, okay, I'm very sorry that's happened to you and that's horrible. But first of all, like tabling all the rest of that, people who heckle are literally the worst people on the planet. And yeah. I do not understand, like, and I am the queen of sitting in a presentation and making snide remarks. That's how I got through college. Me too. It's how my boyfriend fell in love with me. Because <laughs> I can sit in an auditorium uh, and if you give a lame-ass speech, I will, I will absolutely be making snide remarks. But the, just the level of, like, confidence and audacity to try to distract a performer, even if they're speaking about some bullshit, it's, it's just, I don't, people who heckle are like people who are escalefters and like it's just people who aren't people you're not part of society <laughs> no there's i for me it's like the worst things i that I, I still for me heckling in comedy clubs and talking during the movies like during a movie is the same thing like in a movie theater the same level of annoyance but i will say one like my only time bombing in my career so far was like i think a year ago now yeah a year ago now I was in DC. I was, I was testing out new jokes. So that's already like, you know, it's iffy, but I was like, all right, I have so much faith in these jokes. I was doing an open, uh, open mic. And there's a lot of people there who were like some of the, like, there are some okay comedians there in terms of personality, but like I got there and I got, cause I was a new, the new guy in that specific club. Uh, I didn't know how to operate the open mic. The open mic was operated weirdly. And like, I got bumped down to like, I think I'm like 20 something out of all the comedians there. I was like, I was definitely the last person. I was like the last person. I didn't even think they had enough time for all of us because they jammed like a bunch of open micers in this one. Okay. And there was, it was rough. It was rough. Like everyone started bombing. One kid, not kid, but one guy who was shaving like a kid and he looks like a 12 year old went up there and started like, he brought a ukulele like dead ass and started like, I'm not, I, can't, I wish I could make this up. And he started um, playing. He's like, yeah, so I'm not so deaf tone enough to come up here and sing a song on on uh, on like I think it's like rape or molestation, molestation or something like that. He was like, "I'm gonna sing a song on why you shouldn't molest kids." And I was like, "What?" And then he legit for his five six minutes he was up there, started singing a song about why you should not why I think he's like priest why priests shouldn't rape kids like Catholic priests shouldn't rape kids. That is that's what he went up there. That's what he spent his like five minutes for. Um, not gonna lie, it was catchy, but it didn't, it didn't do the best. And then like this one dude starts, the dude who went before me started talking about, um, started talking about like shoving his wife's dildo up his ass and like, oh, I'm so serious and started doing first all this all. wild shit. Okay. First of all, first of all, yeah, that unsafe sex thing, I have to interrupt you. Yeah. Go ahead. It's made for vaginas. Yep. Don't have a base on them. Okay. Mm -hmm. If something doesn't have a solid non-removable base on it, don't put it in your ass. That's how you end up in the ER. Say that one more time, just so I can make sure everyone heard that. <laughs> okay. So I wish I had like a prop. Uh, <laughs> dildos yes. for vaginas mm -hmm. are very phallic. They don't have a base. They're very, they're like a cucumber. They're uninterrupted. Okay. They don't have a base. Okay. You ever seen something that's supposed to go in your ass? It has a base, a string, it has something. I mean, not even a string. You should really be using things with a firm, non-removable base. That means the base doesn't unscrew, it doesn't snap off. And the reason for that is your butt will suction shit up. Okay. That's because it's, I mean, it's biological and I'm not going to give you an anatomy lesson, but your butt will suction shit up in it. Yeah. And if you put something in your ass that doesn't have a base on it, your body can suction that up and you will not be able to get it out without having to go to the ER. 
that's how you end up at the ER. So first of all, I've seen that in the ER for real. I'm not yeah, going to Yeah, don't put your white dildos in your ass at all. Yeah. But you want something in your ass, go buy something for your spurn ass because they're not the same. True that's that. Not, that's important. That's no, that's something very important. I've really been to the ER. I've seen some things and that's a real thing. Yeah, no, it is. And it, it's very dangerous and people don't really realize just how dangerous it is. And you can't, you can't just be putting shit in your ass. I mean, imagine going to ER, like that's like a legit embarrassing thing to explain that. Like, hey, what's going on? I mean, I can see what's going on, but I need you to understand, to tell to me what you did right. so that, you know, you don't do it again because this is really dumb, you know what I'm saying? Now you're paying this crazy ass, expensive ass bill for us to remove. Right. You're going to go bankrupt and put your wife's toy in your ass. Like, is it worth, was it worth it? Because like you can buy shit to put in your ass for like 40 bucks. Like, I do not understand why. But you don't have 40 bucks? Because if you don't have 40 bucks, you don't have the money for an ER visit. That's very, no, that's very true. Some people have to learn the hard way, but he was like legit making jokes about that. And it wasn't even like, it, I've heard and seen a lot of things, but like, it just disgusted me. Cause I was like, I had to hold, like, I had to hold the mic after he was done. I was like, yo, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> everyone was uncomfortable. Like he, the room was like, the room was already cold. We're in a basement, but he made right. that bitch cold. I was like, right. yo, I wasn't even scared. Like I replaced whatever little fear I had, which, you know, I always have like the little, I have anxiety. So every time I go up, I have like anxiety until I, I really start talking. Um, it was, re- the anxiety was replaced by like, all right, I don't even know what's going on. I feel like disgusted as a human being because that's going to be fresh in their minds. And he was talking some wild shit. And I go up there and I talk, I'll tell my jokes or whatever, but this couple in the corner has been heckling kind of all night. And I think they were, pla- at this point, I think they were planted because after the show, they talked to the, the dude who was running it and they were like joking around. So I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but they, they were, they were, they heckled me and they're like, you know, I wasn't doing well. And then, um, and then like, they were like, they called for another, they started a chant for another comedian that went before me. The only comedian that can say really killed it, which props to him. Um, and the, that kids, uh, that dude's comedian, uh, that dude's mentor was actually the dude before me that talked about dildos or whatever. So I don't know how the student was way better than the master, but Hey, and so they started calling another comedian's name up, which is the most disrespectful, heart-wrenching thing you could ever want. And I could have stopped comedy. That's enough to break a human being's soul. Rejection from a girl is nothing. Yeah. Bombing in a room of like 50-plus people is depressing. And yeah. I, felt, I felt like very as a cold human being after that, but I still wanted to pursue comedy. That's how I knew I wanted to get back up in there, and I did it again, and I did really well. But yeah, they're heckling. And in the email, I could have said something back, but in the email, they were like, um, don't heckle the audience or whatever. I think it's like a free show because it's open mic, so they want people to feel as comfortable as possible. Right. To keep coming back, so it's like no, uh, no, um, <clears throat> basically no crowd work and stuff like that, which is which is bullshit. It's really. I mean, bullshit. I understand. I understand no crowd work because crowd work is like the lazy comedian's game, right? Like crowd work is just like, you know, you look at the front row and you start feeding back off them, and that's a lazy comedian's game. Like crowd work is flailing, but like don't heckle back. It, no, it's like, it's like for crowd work, it, it, so it depends. Like, um, I will say like one of the best comedians, I don't know if you ever seen Andrew Schultz, um, do comedy, but he's like, to me, he's the best at crowd work, but crowd work is like a, it's like a tool for anything else. It's like, okay, if let's say I said a joke that wasn't funny or let's say, or let's say I said something too real or something like that, you know, like maybe, like sometimes, especially at DC, you have a bunch of, of like a lot of white people in the audience. So sometimes as a black man, I can say, I can say nigga, I can say nigger, I can say whatever I want in terms of that sense, right? right. But they'll be like, what, what did he just say? Like I legit, one time a comedian from LA comes to DC and he's like talking about, he said the end, he said nigga. And then um, I saw the, the white couple next to me was like, is he, the dude was like, can he say that? And she was like, yeah, I think he can, he's black. So that's what we have to deal with. So you have things like that. And I was like, so crowd work helps you. Like when people feel awkward, it helps you like kind of get back into it and get back on your groove of things. So it depends. Like if you're really bad at it, cause you can be, it's hard to do it. It's, it's not as easy. Like, because you know, you have to still make it funny at the end of the day. Right. Um, but yeah, some people use it as like a, like, you know, to bully someone, like to roast people. I, I don't like that person. You just go right. up there. You're like that's, that's the thing. Like I understand yeah. the crowd work. Cause sometimes people like, it's like four people in the front row we're just going to roast. Like I didn't prepare a set. Like, uh, <clears throat> why are you here? Go home, <laughs> write something down, come back. And but I'll give them credit. If you can go up there and legit make it funny off those four people and 
connected to like you know like not when I say rose people I mean more like like you're in high school or right. yeah you're in high school like elementary like, stuff connect it back to something still involves either being exactly. very quick-witted or actually doing preparation exactly so I used to I used to have an internship where I literally watched comedy submissions for this mm. like agency to see if they're worth it and so many of those submissions would just be some dude gets up there roasts four to seven people in the front <laughs> row and then yeah and it's like okay and it's like no you're not funny like what was <laughs> where are your preparations like yeah. how do you envision that like taking you to a career like you think daniel sloss is out here fucking seven people in the audience he's gonna roast yeah. like is that what Whitney cummings is doing like what do you by the way, you can tell my taste in comedy a little dark. <laughs> exactly. No, it's all good. I like dark comedy. Oh, I, I love... That's what I love about Daniel Schloss is it's, he's like, you can talk about the single worst things in the world, but you have to make it funny by not laughing at the victim. Very I'm like, true. That's, that's it. Like, that should be... Again, I love comedy, so you scratch... No, the yeah, for sure. I like to think I'm funny, but not like stand up funny. No, you 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 naturally funny. I remember one last time I went, to, <laughs> last time I went to your place it was I think it was I want to say it was Halloween or something. It was. And it like was. I, I'm an awkward human being, I, I'm I'm not afraid to admit that. And you you <laughs> you're like you're very funny, and I tried. So I think you were cooking something, and I was like, hey, Brittany. And then in my head, I was like, all right, I'm a hug. I never I've never, yeah, I've never hugged you before as a greeting. But I was like, okay, today's the day. Today's because this is my I think this is the first time that I saw your new place. So I was yeah, like, so hey, because I invited all the college guys over. Exactly. So I was like, hey. And so I went for a hug and you were like just standing there. And I was like, hmm. I didn't it wasn't too it wasn't a long time. It was maybe like 10 seconds, but for me, it, it felt like, like we're frozen in time. <laughs> and I was like, Well, I fucked up. Read about keeping me out of our home. It's about to be a wrap. And but you're just so nice. You're like, you know, Albert. How do you feel now? You feel you feel dumb, right? I was like, "Yep, I sure do." <laughs> but this food you made is amazing, and I kind of transitioned out of there. But that's um, no, you're you're definitely naturally funny. I remember uh, <laughs> I remember the 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 time you would show up for uh for us. I think it was screenwriting <laughs> class. <laughs> the time <laughs> you definitely were in there a lot. I, we I, put me on blast for not showing up to a class. We, we graduated. We good. You know, what I'm I saying got we, we somewhere. <laughs> No, you definitely were like, I was like, oh yeah, Brittany's, it was like seeing a unicorn. Like if I saw a unicorn Because I the failed first the time. time. So I, okay, so the first time I took screenwriting, I failed because mm -hmm. Lindsay was trying to expel me from college. So I stopped doing all of my hey, homework. <laughs> I was so depressed because I was a straight A student that was about to be expelled from college. So I was so, I was like, how did I, I'm like my whole tuition's on like scholarships and grants. And I'm really, and I have straight A's. And I'm about to be expelled for nothing, for nothing. So I was so depressed. I didn't do any homework for the other classes I took while that was happening. So oh, I'd already no. taken screenwriting and failed because I stopped doing work. So when I was taking it again, I went to Nixon and I was like, yo, I have the work for the first two thirds of the class. He's like, you don't need to be here, whatever. And I was like, that's what's up, fam. Uh, anyway, shout out to professor. He's a great person. Uh, oh. He definitely educated us plenty. And uh, shout out to no shout out to him because he definitely helped me um, regain my love for like just like writing. And I took his writing class, I took his directing class, I took his um, genre filmmaking class. If it wasn't for that, I would not have gotten uh, yeah. in the zone done. Won best comedy for that. So like shout out to him for that. But I was actually curious. Now we're talking about school. Is college useless? Um. I mean, that's a useless no. Hmm. The answer to that question is unequivocally no. Is it as valuable as we have made it in society in terms of earning potential and the cost? No. So, hmm. and like, I, I come from a background in academia. My mom is a professor. Both my parents have terminal degrees. My mom has an MBA from a fucking Ivy. I'm kind of the slow one. Um, so I feel like I'm pretty smart. I'm the dumb one. So <laughs> like, and I worked for a college. I worked at MC for the vice president provost. Oh God, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I have, a, that's part of why, I don't feel like you and I ever had this relationship, but there was a lot of people who started 
when I did, who mm -hmm. I helped through the course credit requirements and stuff, because I'm familiar with that system. I, again, I come from academia and yeah. the way we value college is broken. It, it's broken and it's, it's disingenuous and we're setting people up for failure and it's only going to keep getting worse. Like Harvard so had tuition for online classes. You take online classes at MC. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, I feel like since we both went to MC, um, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to MC. I don't want to say the real name because they're not paying me any money. Um, <laughs> don't go there. Hold on. Quick. Don't go there. They, um, what's it called? I, so I actually really, I didn't value MC. I didn't value our community college um, while, we were, while I was there, which I feel is the case for a lot of people who don't understand the true value of what community college really is. Because, you know, when you're in high school, first of all, at least from my high school, I won't say any names. Um, they definitely, oh, wait, I, I do know where you went to high school. I was about to be like, where did you go? I, I know. Where you went. So, um, they didn't, you know, they don't value obviously community college. They value like the things that are going to give them more money because school, at least, especially when it comes to public education, that's now on the collegiate level. Um, test scores, blah, blah, really helps. That's why education is really janky how it is now for our public school students. But like, you know, if you went to MC, like you can pretty much, if you go to a community college, you can pretty much just, you can get it. You can get it. If you get I mean, denied by community college, that's wild. Well, okay. First of all, in this county, you can't get denied. Okay. That makes sense. If you can, if you can pay, because that's why there's all those, uh, triple zero courses. True which, that are remedials because even if you wait they are yeah it's like no nah, 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 let me stop i took one I, took one, so. I did not i was close on math <laughs> yeah that's, that was the one for me <laughs> zero ninety six nosed my way out of that shit because uh, i just went straight stats but like community college first of all in this county like you can't even get rejected that's not a thing um but the problem and like it's so much to unpack and it starts before high school. It starts in middle school because I, I mean, and I went to private school, so I probably had a different experience than most people. Mm. But I mean, I remember being 12 years old and being told that like, you need to figure out what your career is going to be. So you can figure out what college you need to go to, what major you're going to have. Cause your major is going to determine your college. And then you need to structure all four years of high school for that experience. So at 12 years old, 12, I'm being yep. told I need to plan my whole life. Mm. And if you'd asked me up until the age of 19, what I was going to be when I grew up, the answer was a lawyer. Okay. So, and I'm pretty stubborn, pretty strong willed. And like, I didn't follow through with my fucking plan. So I don't understand how we actually expect 12 year olds <laughs> to like figure this shit out. Yeah. And it's setting, it's setting the whole system up for failure. Like, I think that's true because I was just talking to my friend like literally yesterday about it. I was like, it's funny you bring that. I was literally, because I was like, you really, because I, I was always preached the importance of the academic advisor from high school and college. Like it's very important to form an actual trustful relationship with them because they can tell you things you need to know, like what are scholarships really, all that stuff. But going to your middle school point, I was like, no, nah, the real thing is you really do like have to develop because that's where you start like if you want especially you want to do like sports and stuff like that for the most part you gotta start like well probably younger than that but still middle school not even not, but like not even just sports like i wanted to be a lawyer yeah so i was told like don't study science don't study math focus on englishes and histories my senior year of high school i took two ap englishes two histories no math and bioethics for science. I've never, to this day, across three colleges and an honors private high school, I've never taken a chemistry class in my life. That's funny. how. It's hard. Like, <laughs> how, like, how did that seem? And then we tell kids when they go to college, like, this is how you get exposed to other ideas. Okay, well, for fifty-five thousand fucking dollars a year, this better be how I get a diploma and a full-time career. Like, exposed to other ideas? No, no, this fuck trade school. Yeah. So the problem is like we we're telling kids to value college the way people in the 70s did as a chance to mm -hmm. find yourself and then also telling them no this is how you have to set up your entire life at 18 years old. I know you had to ask to use the bathroom 6 days ago and you can't smoke <laughs> a cigarette or drink, but you better know exactly what you want to do for the entire rest of your life. And of course like that doesn't work. Your brain doesn't finish developing until 25. Like I remember 
when I was like 25 and a half, like about six months after my 25th. 25 well, it's relevant. I remember yeah. I suddenly I was like, wow, like I was being very introspective and I was like, I, I'm handling situations different. I'm reacting. To, and I realized like, oh, because literally my brain has finished developing and I have more resources mentally mm. to handle situations. You don't realize when you don't have that mental like capacity, but we're telling 12 year olds, plan your whole life kiddos can't drive for another one fourth of your life or one third of your life thus far but yeah plan your future no nah, i think that's really important to um <clears throat> to bring up because it, it's it's really such a especially even in high school it's like it, four years seems like a long time to kids but like no nah, that, that shit goes by fast especially when you look back it's like you it all it's all like one whole year because really especially when you get in high school, sophomore year is the, where the most decisions come from. You have to get the SATs or uh, ACT, I believe, the other thing, out of the way. And then for that, to do that, you really need to know where you're going to go so you can know what score you're trying to get. And yeah. at least I don't, know about, I don't know about our county. I don't know if it's uh, just specific to our county, but at least cause I started high school in Arizona. So in oh. there, um, what's it called? You, you didn't have SAT prep. You didn't have ACT prep. My high school, I moved to Maryland had ACT and SAT prep. So that so helped you, you everybody. Went a, like you went to a pretty solidly funded public high school. Exactly. Maryland. Not every high school in this county has that. Okay, so they didn't all have it. Okay. No, you went to, because your high school had that apps program. Oh, okay. That's why that you guys sense. have more resources because you were built as the apps. I have a friend who was the first class of freshmen to already have seniors. So mm. I know a lot about your high school. And they had that apps program. So they took it very seriously that you would have collegiate success. And I went to a private high school. So of course they take our, and we didn't have SAT or ACT prep either, but that's because private schools are always trying to get a bag. True. Like, oh, that should cost extra. My parents were like, mm, extra. No. Yeah, no. Cause I was like, um, read a book. It'll be fine. That book is a thick book, but I was like, uh, I was no, like without that class. What up? No, without that class, they uh, it, it's so hard. SAT is a, really it's just a bunch for anyone who didn't take it. Um, it's a bunch of random questions that and they're biased. They're so yeah. biased, yeah. and some of them are just straight the fuck up, factually inaccurate. Especially, and not just in terms of like the whitewashing of history, but just in terms of like grammatically. Like I remember when I took the SAT. There were several questions that had a misplaced Oxford comma. And because I remember everyone walked out just like, what the fuck? Because we all like all of us were like, do I just not know how commas work anymore? Am yeah. I stupid? <laughs> Am I not going to college? Duh, like I remember taking mine and this girl forgot our calculator. Rap. Well, rap. Well, <laughs> she was crying the whole test. Crying the whole test. It threw me off. Not saying that's why I didn't do well, but it threw me off. She was crying. Like, I was like, damn. Because she got Happy Meal. She got her little her little, little brain food, but she forgot the most important thing she needed, which was that calculator. And she looking around. I was like, no, nope, we're not even taking it in the same place where we go to school. They're not going to give you shit. Like, it's too late. It's a wrap for you. And I was like, that's when I knew. I was like, man, it's – and, of course, I didn't if – I, I if I knew I was going to go to community college, like, beforehand, I would not have taken – especially MC, I would not have taken the SAT. Oh, there was no fucking point. Yeah, there's no I – Yo. And you have to pay, too. I'm saying. So when I, so I did the essay, because I did not, I was not planning on going to community college. I applied to four-year colleges, and I got into every school I applied to, actually. Um, I had to think about it. It's been, <laughs> it's been a few years. No, I mean, I got into my first choice school. I got into an Ivy. Mm, okay. And through private school fuckery, I ended up at my safety school, which was in upstate New York, which I fucking hated. So I came home and went to community college. I feel so like I know I, exactly I, what like, you're talking about, too. <laughs> no, yeah, I've talked about this. Oh, shit. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I could talk about upstate New York for days because this shit was crazy. Yeah. So I ended up at community college. I still had to take the AccuPlacer. I got a perfect score. Mm, I forgot about that. Yeah, because this is what made me so mad. I got a perfect score on the English AccuPlacer. I'd had a 2290 on my SATs. I'd already taken English. 
in upstate New York, and MC was like, so English 102? I was like, for why? <laughs> why do you? What? Uh, English 102. I almost failed English 102. I did as well because I stopped doing the work, as you might see as a theme, because, first of all, depression in my undergrad. <laughs> Second of all, like, I'll never forget this. I did the first assignment in 20 minutes, and it was a paper. And yeah. I, had a, I had a teacher in high school who... I've re- I wrote better papers for him than I did in college. There were eight papers in college. True. He was a stickler. He required very critical thinking, very like intense analysis of text, analysis of information. You don't just get to like parrot it back in a summary. It's going to yeah. be a five-page essay of critical thinking and conclusions supported by evidence from the te- Like I remember. So I slapdashed this paper, 20 minutes, submitted it, and this lady sent it to the class and she's like, this is the ideal. And I was like, it's a wrap. I'm never doing work in this class again. This is, I'm oh, done. Man. I'm done. That, that was perfect. I was the best in the class, 20 minutes of effort. That's embarrassing for everybody. Yeah, English 101 should be considered a remedial class in college anyway. <laughs> English 102, I can understand. And then business writing, I can understand. But English, which business right? Don't get me started. I, I oh, but English one hundred two. Wait, what uh, who do you who did you have for English? What one hundred for business for writing? Business writing, because business writing was a. Uh, oh, no, I know what you're thinking. It wasn't that one. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you after this is over about that one. Yeah. But it wasn't that one. Because <laughs> well, the semester I took business writing, yeah, was the semester that Trump won. Yeah, oh, and wow. that was yeah. All of my except for. No, yeah, all of my teachers that day canceled class the next day. Because they were all, like, literally, we were getting emails at 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, like, we're not having class. Uh, y'all okay? No, people were hurt. People hurt. Well, I, so, I, I, I mean, MC. one of our professors, it's because his husband was a lot, he's a lobbyist. His husband's a lobbyist for the LGBT movement. Mm. So they felt an existential threat, which, okay. not wrong. True. And then business writing. Oh, and he said the most, like, it was so pretentious. It was like, it's, first of all, it's 3.30 in the morning. Drop the pretext, you're drunk in a bar somewhere. Like, I, mm-hmm. I accept that. But, like, drop the pretext. And he sent this email. He was like, due to the nature of the late hour of this evening, and given that I am still not in my own abode, I cannot imagine, I cannot conceive of any productiveness we would have. Sir, we are supposed to have class in five and a half hours. You are drunk. We know, you know, just say so. No, I think ashes, I don't need this. No, it, it was, English 102 was like very interesting to me because, so I, so I was doing fine. Um, but the final exam, so he misspoke. It was, I was the only one who messed up, but yeah, it wasn't really completely my fault. So like we had a paper prior to that, you know, English one and two only had like two papers, two big ass papers. So the first one was big. Did, did I, I did a decent job, got like a B or whatever. Right. And he was like, all right, we need to do an extension on this paper. And he started explaining whatever. So the way he explained an extension to me means there's an original work and then you do an olive branch. You start budding a little bit off of that. So, so you just add to it. That's what I did. So I just did four more. Because when he was saying it, the total page was like, count was like 15 or something. I was like, oh, it's only like four pages more? Okay. Oh, that's a bet. I was like, that's really short for this final. He really hyped up for months. So I'm like feeling great because I have like a, I'm doing acting class too at MC. So like I have to prepare for this monologue. So I'm giving that my soul come an actor. And, um, and so I just like, you know, four pages. I just cranked that out and night done easy. You know, you know, now school's over. I'm like, ooh, now I have my associates. Yay, blah, blah, right? I'm going to Maryland next. Yay, I'm almost done with this shit. And, and he, like, emails me. He's like, hey, Albert, you know what? Because English, for whatever reason, 101 and 102, at least for my teachers, like, made me uh, have to come back in for some off-hour bullshit to, like, talk about it. I don't know why. They made, whether you passed or not, they just want to tell you to your face that you passed or failed. It was really, like. That's just you. I did not. Cause I I, that's what I'm saying. Like from, from my professors, they, they were like, yeah, I need you to come in and you know, blah, blah. So I came in thinking, okay, it's whatever. He's like, Albert, um, 
he didn't say it like this, but this is basically what he says, like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, what you mean? And he was like, what, what's, what's, because on top of my original work, which I stapled together, and that had to be on it already. So I was like, oh, I got it. Oh, I passed. Yeah. He's like, oh, nah, you didn't even print out a fresh copy. You just, yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's just what I'm saying. You staple and called it a day. I really You did. need to try. I really You need to fix whatever made it a B in the first place. Because he was, yeah, I didn't. But like, um, <laughs> I really didn't. You didn't even I, I really did it. And like, I went in. He was like, why did you just add to your original paper? I was like, didn't you say it was an extension? And he was like, no. Uh, he was like, no, I was saying you need to, you need like basically saying extend on the idea of the first paper and do your second paper. I was like, you wanted two 15 pages paper in this semester, bro? He was like, yeah, that's why I need. So I, I have to, the Ewing did four pages out of 15. I have to, I, I have to fail you. And I was like, hold on, hold on, professor. Wait, wait. By the way, I also caught a, uh, I almost caught plagiarism charges this the same semester, but that's not that's not nearly here or there. I got all that, so I was like, "What else do I need to like to get out?" Here? It was for a history class, you know. I'm saying it was cool though, you know. I got off the hook, but my professor was like, "This I English plagiarism offense in history is history." It was like, First of all, it's all already been written. It's not that hard to paraphrase. That's, but I did. That's, that's, that I did. I did. No, for real, I did. It was on some bullshit. Now I was like, bruh. And he knew because okay, so I plagiarized I plagiarized allegedly. It was a last paragraph, it was a conclusion paragraph. That's what made me mad. That's how I got off the hook. Cause it was like, I was like, bruh. I looked at him, I was like, bruh, why would I plagiarize the one paragraph where I can just make up anything? Like it's just a recap of what I just wrote. So I was like, come on, bruh. And then he was like, all right, fine. I was like, thank you, because that's bullshit. But 102, he was like, look. Because you've been so funny, which is why, again, I'm a comedian. So because you're so funny and because you went and you really put your effort into this and everything, um, I'm going to go ahead and just take the paper how it is. I really, he really should have failed me for real. Uh, shout out to him. That's why I'm going to keep his name out of this, but shout out to him. Um, but like, he was really like, you know, cause I did put effort. I did actually put effort into the, like the, the, those four pages I wrote or whatever. I did put like research or whatever. I made it work sided separate from the original thing. You know, I did all that good stuff. So I was like, Hey man. And he was like, look, you know what? You're the only one who didn't sleep in his class. I never did all that good stuff. And he was like, all right, cool. We're going to, you know, fine. And he gave me a B for the class. I never was that scared. Cause like out of all my classes, I was like, bro, I cannot take this man's class again. Like, I want my summer, bro. Like, I was sweating, scared. I was like, I'm not going to get into Maryland anymore. And I'm about to drop out of school. So, but I didn't. And then it, it, it passed through. But um, I wanted to, I want to get your uh, take on something as well that happened um, during this whole thing. Um, Black Lives Matter movement obviously happened among COVID and everything. And oh, the second second wave, Black Lives Matter. Yes, yeah, second wave. Yeah, first wave, no one gave a shit. Second wave. Second wave, we cared. We, we remember tried remember that time we burned down Baltimore? Remember that time? I was not there. I mean, me neither. But remember that time? I remember a time where citizens of Baltimore definitely went and and uh, demonstrated what they did. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, yes, yeah, so I, I was I was I chilling. Yeah, I had a lot to say on Twitter, you know what I'm saying? But physically, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't there. I was, I was at MC. Um, That's when I worked at the Provost. Did you? For real? Mm -hmm. Okay, look at you. Brittany out here with a diverse portfolio. There's um, literally, like, if you na like, name any, like, poor person job, I've had an iteration of it. <laughs> like, hey, me, me and you, too. I had some entanglements with some retail jobs at the same time sometimes, you know? You know what? I've never, I've never had, like, a straight-up shit retail job. Thank God. It's, Cause, it's terrible. Because what I do now is retail, but I've yeah. never had like a straight up retail job. I, I envy you so, so, so much. But um, this this recent um, Black Lives Matter movement that was sparked with the, the death of, the tragic death of uh, Breonna Taylor, we won't forget her name, and obviously George Floyd after his death, it really like, you know, went full force with Minneapolis burning that shit down. Yo, who knew Minneapolis rolled deep, first of all? I, so I, I, I've been there many times because I have family over Minnesota. So I've been there. So I knew Minneapolis with the shits. I knew the citizens were with the shits. So I was just like, yeah, Minneapolis is not going to take it. Because it also um, had other, it had many incidents, like um, uh, uh, other incidents too, 
in Minneapolis. So I was like, it's only a matter of time before this really becomes like, okay, we, we got enough of this shit. Plus it was just a perfect storm. I knew it was going to pop up because of a perfect storm this time. Like hella people unemployed. Um, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, tar- that target manager said something or denied service to protesters, protesters prior to them fucking up his store. Well, <laughs> that target. More than that. What was what else did he do? Oh, didn't so it, like that Target? So that Target yeah. um, works with MPD mm. and all of their like lo- all of the loss prevention right. stuff that they do nationwide in Target is rolled out at that Target first, which really just means that Target is designed to racially profile as many people as possible because preventative measure. Um, I've yet to ever hear anyone talk about a preventative measure that is not contingent upon some form of profiling. True. So that, that's part of why that target was uh, was looted and why it was so specifically targeted was because all of the loss prevention stuff, nation, including stuff that doesn't even work, right? So like there are people who are being vic- trying to go to target and being victimized for loss per- in the name of loss prevention just for trying to go to target more than anywhere else in the country at that specific store because that's where they're trying all this stuff out. So of course, of course, it's going to be a target. All like puns intended. What? I said all puns intended. Every time we say target being a target, all puns. It's there's it's the best word to describe it. It so. is. It is. They they their their mascot is a dog with a target on his eyeball, which is crazy. That's a lot mm-hmm. to unpack there. But um, yeah. I wanted your opinion on like what 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 have you been doing? um to to support what you believe in this personally throughout this whole like movement especially the first like three weeks where like at least it when it first initially like kicked the whole nation and started popping off so i definitely spent the first it's funny you say the first three weeks because that's a very important timetable so first and foremost like i have been just as radical as i am right now since i was probably like six no 19 i've always been but since i was 19 because I had a very bad experience with a cop that forever changed how I perceived the world. And I know that you also yep. have had that. And that it changes. It changes how you move through America. Because exactly. you realize you don't live in the America you see on TV. And so I have always been very informed, outspoken, like ready to have, I come from a very like, if you want to win an argument, if you want to have an argument, you better have your facts kind of family. Like, I'm just, I'm very ready, a little too ready, but um, and so I spent the first three weeks mostly educating my greater extended social circle. And I don't mean just like sharing Instagram stories. I mean, sending messages, sending specific articles to people who had made points about like to, to give evidence to refute them. So for example, I had a friend who um, is from Yeehawville, Pennsylvania, and her significant other's father is a cop in Arizona. And mm. she's like, well, he seems like a great guy. And I was like, the Arizona police department is very racist, especially yep. Phoenix, which is where that dude's an officer. So every time I, like, you know, I'd send her articles about this is what Phoenix PD does. This is what Phoenix PD does. This is what Phoenix PD does. Like, just constant like or like every time I had a friend who felt that they had some refutation argument just immediately reach out to them and be like okay well here is all the evidence to the contrary I spent a lot of the first three weeks hand-holding white girls through realizing that I don't live in the same America as them yeah I feel like that's 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 a response that a lot of people had I also took the education route um for well the thing is like i've been educating a lot through like many years didn't just start like the last couple months but so i I took a break off of that and i was like i need i'm needed on the streets doing peaceful protesting so i went to a lot in a lot like the first week is the first two weeks especially i went to one like every day except like a sunday um just because i was i was fucking tired but like i was marching protesting doing all that good stuff educating and what i was really nice to see this time around was um, a lot of the protests led in, especially in Montgomery County, was like um, Maryland. I know there's a bunch of different Montgomery counties, but Maryland was um, the youth. The youth really 
jumped on board and really like a lot of them led to stuff. I didn't even know how young they were. I was like, yo, when I was 16, my mom would have left me out of the house to go do this shit, regardless of what it was. And uh, someone said it beautifully. Um, when Trayvon Martin died, for me anyway, I was like, I was too young to really do anything about it. I think man, I was like 2012, maybe. So I think maybe I was like a sophomore or something at the time, I think, when he died in high school. And um, so they're, they're saying like now the people who are who are out there now, are you also have like, you know, older people and the people who are at least like right outside, like seniors are right outside of high school and uh, starting college at that time. And then you have a bunch of us that were kids at the time that couldn't voice our frustrations properly. Now we can, especially like with George, uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. So like there's just a good mixture of just the right amount of anger and frustration in people to go out there and, and do something. So I was hitting the streets and educating it. Um, I, you know, we're running out of time. So I just want to ask you one last thing about um, the black squares. How do you feel about those black Instagram squares? So I'm not opposed to the black Instagram squares, but I am right. opposed to people who did it incorrectly. It's How not so? about all directions. Um, because anyone who hashtagged Black Lives Matter, BLM, you just iced out the voices of people who needed to be heard. You iced out resources, you iced out protests, you iced out vital information. Um, and it's funny, like, I, I know a lot of, I know a lot of Black people who were really opposed to seeing it. And I understand that reasoning. And the one reason that I appreciated it is I needed a fucking break. True. Because it, it was so, because I also, I spent those three weeks crying a lot and mm. being horrified. And it was like, I didn't, I couldn't wrap my head around how other people were still going about their lives. I'm watching people being beat in the streets for saying that someone who looks like me shouldn't be shot by the police. And I'm watching people I know like going about their lives. And I didn't understand. I could not wrap my head around how is your world not stopped? Because yeah. my world has stopped. I am unable to move through this moment without constantly reaffirming that it's happening, without constantly being, feeling the weight of it. And so the one thing the Blackout Squares did is it was one fucking day where I wasn't flooded with selfies, Women Crush Wednesday, Man Crush Monday, <laughs> Plants to my house plants are thriving. My dog is so cute. Look at my COVID routine. My COVID kitchen. It was one day to just shut up the noise. And mm -hmm. I appreciated it. I needed that. And I didn't know how much I needed it till it was happening. And I was like, this is actually what I need. And even though I know that those people are not woke, don't give a fuck. We'll never donate. We'll never be in the streets. We chanted Brown Taylor's name. She still doesn't have justice. And we all gave up. Like, I am well the fuck aware. <laughs> that it didn't change anything but it gave me personally one day to catch my breath because i literally i felt this like every time i saw i didn't realize how hard it was to see other people's apathy until i didn't see it for one day yeah it made a huge difference the reason why like it bugged me so much i was laughing about it like it was like to me it was like absurd only because um because before it even happened i was telling my friend um, that majors in all these kind of like civil civil rights and civil unrest type things. And like, I was like, they're going to do the same thing that did to do with every Af anything that happens in Africa. They're going to do the same thing, which is 2012. Not even that. At least, at least that had a fucking video. They, there were this one. They for Don't one, ever I, say at least about Coney. <laughs> I mean, no, at least it was a video. Cause if it, cause it was a joke. Exactly. But like, they for, did a genocide like a joke. They did. And that's what, and that's, that was my problem with this because like a couple months before this whole thing, something happened in Africa. I still don't know what, and this is, and this is to bring my point that they did some uh, blue square thing or blue, like change your profile to blue. I thought it was a fucking bug. I didn't know what the fuck was going on because now one person said, this is what we're doing. It's like, Oh, let's just see it on some other app or whatever. And let's do that. And there's like to raise awareness, which a lot, what a lot of people were saying the black squares, it was trying to, shift the the attention was always is always to shift the attention to where it needs to be but my thing is like i can understand something happened in africa because not a lot of people are aware of the social issues or things that are going on here but i was like race in america has always been a thing i do not need a reminder that black people are mistreated if you if if you did not know that until right now you need more help than i can ever provide I mean, you. the thing like how many how many i mean i feel like 
you didn't have this problem, but like I, you know, my social circle, especially from college, is a lot of white girls. I feel like a lot of them just kind of Columbus racism in the last <laughs> couple of months. I mean, yeah. and, and I've, I don't want to put anyone on black. Like I've had friends who are like, it now dawns on me that like you could be killed by a cop. And I'm like, yes, that is correct. <laughs> I'm yeah. welcome to the party. It's just terrifying. It's different. It is. But the, the other problem, though, about those blue squares and also about this black and white photo challenge is that yeah, raising, that awareness, <laughs> raising awareness only works if you talk about the problem you're raising awareness for. If you, are, if you just do something because everyone else is doing it and you're raising awareness, but you yeah. don't talk about why you're doing it. It just looks like, you're, many, it looks like a trend. How many girls posted a black and white picture? Like, it's not about female empowerment to empower Western females. It's about the fact that when a Turkish woman is murdered, her black and white picture is in the newspaper, and it could be any other woman in Turkey. The raising awareness is talking about the the onslaught of murders and violence against women in Turkey. It's not you as a white chick post a picture, a, a hot black and white photo. What did you raise awareness to? Yo, that made me so like, mad. You didn't help anybody. It made me so mad. Cause you I didn't, didn't help anybody. I didn't know what it was. Cause it said, um, if I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken. I think the hashtag was like going around. It was like a women empowerment or something. And as yeah. soon as I saw that, cause I, I knew it was something about like Turkey. I knew it was something about something somewhere else that what, I was like, it's not about, it's not, this cannot be about American women. So and I then did, they, they did it for them. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I didn't know that it started with women in Turkey. And when I found out, I literally sent articles about it to every single girl who I follow, whether we're friends or not. Because that's the one thing, like, I will slide in your DMs randomly on Instagram. Like, I feel <laughs> yeah, you no will. shame. I feel no shame. I should, and I do not. Yeah, that's funny. And so I sent it to every, my boyfriend's friends, my friends, people I went to middle school with. I was like, just so you know, it's about women. And so many girls and uh, so many women, because we're, we're grown, so many women responded and were like, yeah, I know. Okay, so then why didn't you talk about Turkey? If you know, why didn't you talk about the women of Turkey? I don't need to know that your eyebrows are on fleek today in black and white. Like, it's about women being murdered in Turkey. They also made it about, um, they, they made it about, uh, like, they made it about their hobbies. Like, I saw some people were like, oh, I do, I do this, and, and I don't, I'm, I'm like, I'm because I do yoga. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> First of all, you appropriated yoga. Like, let's start there. No, people, people are wild, but, um, reach that part of the show. Uh, I want to, there's a new segment coming out now where we, uh, ask our, our, our guests the question of the day, and... Oh. Brittany, your question of the day today is, what is your favorite item to sell that you have in stock? What's the, what's the favorite okay. item? Okay. This feels like a lot of pressure. My actual favorite item to sell, not like a gimmick, like my actual favorite yeah, item favorite, to sell. Favorite item. Okay. This is going to be a very complicated thing. Go ahead. We all here I for apologize it. apologize in advance. Mm-hmm. So, remember I said part of my line involves electricity. All right. Just let everyone know if you're not 18 or older, uh, you know, you've been warned. Go ahead, Brittany, continue. Yeah. So I saw what's called a violet wand. Mm-hmm. A violet wand plugs into the wall okay. and uses static electricity to create an arcing shock, arcing shock which will sh- um, zap you, uh, which some people find pleasurable in their bedroom activities. Okay. And I... It's actually my, one of my company's like flagship products. I love selling it because it's because it, it already sounds scary, right? Yeah, like it's, it, it already sounds a little intimidating. <laughs> and the thing is, it's not. It's a very like tickly sensation. It's it's dope. If you're like a little curious in the bedroom, like it's actually the dopest product. And I love mm-hmm. selling it because it is the. It's so easy to turn like nose to yeses with it and to turn people who are like i'm not interested that seems intense into people who are like she can shock the tip of my dick with her tongue <laughs> what the fuck oh shit that's funny so it's it's, a, it's my favorite thing to sell it's such an interactive product i love especially like selling to couples um because you can just like the interplay is so fun you feed off the energy i love it i love it so much that's great. No, that's great. And that was 
the question of the day with Brittany. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast episode. This is a very diverse episode for sure in terms of topics. Um, where can the people find you? Plug in whatever you want to plug right. in. So you can, first of all, shop for anything I sell at thedungeonstore.com. You can also find everything I sell on social media at the Dungeon Store. Shit is remarkably simple. If you personally like my politics, though, um, at It's Britannica on Instagram, because uh, I'm constantly talking about politics, I never shut the fuck up about politics. <laughs> so that's where you can find me and everything that I do. Awesome. And you can find us here at the Wholesome Monk Podcast on Instagram at wholesome underscore monk, on TikTok at wholesome underscore monk. I hope I got that correctly. And on Twitter at the sauceless. So again, Brittany, thank you. Sauce? Wait, what? Hold on. Oh, <laughs> what? I'm, so sorry. what? I'm so sorry. What? My Twitter handle? The sauceless? Yeah. Okay. It's not it's a joke because I. It's, you have no sauce. It's, it's a whole joke. But we ran out of time. So anyway. thank you all for listening. Remember, if you listen to this podcast, you are now 10% more wholesome than you were before you listen. Peace out, everybody. This is the Wholesome Monk Podcast.